It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> so anyway, I am here with with uh, my friend Cordy Sherman. Hi. Round of applause, team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And this is like a, bit a that was a very that was a very sad <laughs> slow clap. <laughs> it's been a, a weird. I've actually had this has been like a therapy uh, session for me. This whole thing because I say things like "you're my friend," and then I get very insecure about using the word "friend" <laughs> around certain people. Because the truth is, I don't I don't see you that much. I always feel like I have an affinity towards you. I feel like we have a certain connection as friends. It's always very friendly. Yeah. I said friend like eight times. Am I stoned already? <laughs> anyway, so um, how weird would it be if I was like, no, no? But that's what happened <laughs> in the last one when I had when I had uh, Trisha Paytas. I said we're friends. She's like, mm. <laughs> and then on the on the YouTube video, someone wrote, "I'm so glad you called him out on that friend bullshit. Not everyone could be your friend." Like <laughs> he attacked me for that simple thing. No, but in defense, it is. I I get very defensive about the comedy community because when people are like oh yeah my friend's a comic and i'm like oh what's his name because yeah. it's like high school yes. like it's you know we're out here every night especially in la there's there's three major clubs like you know we we circle each other so yeah. it is it's it's like a small little family and it's like to to build that rapport with somebody it it, it is friends yeah that's why it always know? feels weird whenever there's a beef with a comic oh. have you ever had a beef with a comic courtney yeah can you name names? <laughs> can you name names? Um, I can now because because it's aired out and because it was absolutely it trivial. It's about and nothing, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you want me to like do that now? I mean, sure. Why oh, not? Cool. Here we are. Here cool, we are. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, and it's actually not even beef because what's happened in the past two years mm-hmm. especially with this whole like me too thing there, there's such a shift in in comedy for for women really how, how so um women are are talking and becoming friends which we never were oh, before really so you think ever before me too it was a very catty existence. it was a vi- it, it, beyond catty it was um and i might just be speaking for myself no i'm not i'll speak generally uh <laughs> There, there's a, a shift where girls are like hanging out and doing putting on shows together. Uh, there's more women doing comedy. Um, you think I, in that soon, because it's only yes. Me Too has only been a year, a little bit over a year now, year and a half, year and a half. And since then, and there's half. just more women doing it and more shows. And yeah, um, is there a part of you that's kind of like, listen, bitch. Don't make yourself a comic all of a sudden because of this. No, I, I don't mean that. I mean that um, actually even even for like the major women, the, the major females in comedy, I feel that they're reaching out to more women. Interesting. And they're they're being more pro women, um, putting more women on their shows or bringing them them on the road with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I started, and this is kind of the beef thing, is that I, I had this, and a lot has to do with my background of um, 
of how I how I was raised of you know well let's get into that let's let's Tarantino this and go back to like how were you raised <laughs> uh well you were, uh, you, didn't you grow up in a yurt or something or is that just a weird in a what like a weren't you like in a commune uh, no why, why do I always <laughs> get my background information wrong on my guests okay no I grew up in LA um I'm I'm from I'm from Woodland Hills my my family's still my, not my family, just my parents. <laughs> we all moved out. Um, my parents are in the same house that I I was raised in, in Woodland Hills. In Woodland Hills, yeah. Okay. Um, right by Christmas Tree Lane. But Candy Cane Lane. Candy Cane yes. Lane. Yes. 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 Tommy right. Wakefield, have you been to Candy Cane Lane? Right. Well, I don't know if he's believed. Uh, yeah, that was a lie. Was but totally Candy Lane, for people who don't know, no idea it's what a it street is. in L.A. <laughs> where you have to sign a, w- a waiver a when waiver, you yeah. get there that you love Jesus Christ and Santa Claus, and you have to adorn your house. No, no, there's Jews. There's Jews. There's Jews, and there's they Jews. have like dark blue houses with like yes, one star. Yes, but lights. And everyone's like, fuck you, Jews. <laughs> no. They have lights. They, they have to sign a waiver that they like deck the shit out of their house. Did Jews do the Santa Claus thing too? Isn't that anti against- No. No, so but it's called Candy Cane Lane, but it's just that oh, they, they like decorate their, yes. they decorate their house, yeah, with yeah. lights, and it's a whole. I mean, especially in high school, that was like the thing to do, just like um, get drinks and hop get in the back of the pickup Candy truck. Lane. That's great, I yeah, love it. and just like cruise. It yeah, totally yeah. Fun. So, so you you grew um, up in Woodland Hills with your non hippie, non yurt living parents. <laughs> super hippie, super. Um, they were hippie parents, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So my, my, I grew up surfing, and that was kind of oh, what I was yeah. equating to, um, to comedy. When did you start surfing? Um, so I, my my family's surfed. My dad shapes boards. I've, I've been surfing my entire life. I think so. that is the coolest thing about you right now. Oh, cool. thanks. I think surfing is one of those. <laughs> I just think surfing is one of those things. Like for your whole life, you can go anywhere in the world and just go like, I think we're going to surf this beach. Yeah, I'm gonna no. surf this pipe. No, it's a it, it. I think it's one of the most lied things. Also, most what the the most lied about things. Oh, people lie about their people surfing lie, ability. Yeah, they're like yeah, like a fall, yeah, fucking surf. I went to Thailand. Like, I surf. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's such a, it's a personal, it's a personal sport. Yes, you know. Um, but I grew up doing that. My family. Um, and what beach? Mostly, mostly in Ventura, uh, okay. like California Street. I know it's kind of a. It's kind of a distance from where I grew up, but uh, there's a surf break there, California Street. Uh-huh. That it's um, between the valley and Santa Barbara, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's like a little bit before La Conchita. Uh huh. Um, right before the border of of Ventura. And so you're like uh, six and seven surfing on like a little board. Uh yeah. I mean, I I was definitely up even before that. That's so badass. Yeah. So you were in the local. So when coming someone came by who wasn't local. You got in a fist fight with them and kicked sand in their face <laughs> and shit on their roof of their car? No, but but looking back now, I realized that, especially when I started comedy, like, all my friends were guys. Yeah. And I was very, like, territorial about it because I had this, the same idea that I did about surfing of, like, I've been doing this since I was a child. Yeah. And I take, I, I have such respect for the water and the lineup and, and... You know the 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 sport of surfing yeah. and and what it is for everybody that's out there. It, um, it's a it's a culture. Yeah, and that's that's what comedy is. And so when somebody comes along and they're like paddling out to the lineup <laughs> with their fucking bikini and their fucking tits out, which beautiful, do it if you have and that it. Happens in surf world and the comedy world. You're saying that both yes. happens. People paddle they, out. Yeah, ones They'd with paddle. Instagram, <laughs> ones with a surfboard. Got it. Correct. 
We better allow. And 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 I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm yes. literally like, just let's see Say you take one off. good joke. Let's see you take off yeah. on a wave. Yeah. You you want to you want to you want to pull out in from in front of somebody. You want to cut somebody off. Great. Let let's see what you do with the rest of the wave, um, or with what you do with the rest of the joke. Um, Interesting and so analogy. Watching, I want to see how far you can take this analogy. No, and so and so watching females that come into comedy because I was very serious about it. Yeah. Um, how old do you mean started comedy? Uh, I've been doing it about eight years. Okay, so I can't say I, we can't talk about age in California, but let's. No, no, no. I've no. I've no. Um, I I was twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Twenty six yeah. when I started comedy. Um, and what what got you into it? Was it something that you knew you always wanted to do? Was there a precipitating moment? You're like, I'm not going to be a professional surfer. <laughs> Did you want to be a professional well, surfer? No, okay. no, 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 not at all. Um, I I've been acting since I was a kid. That's right. I think yeah. I knew that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, theater is my background. Um, Did you ever want to be like a theater actor, like hardcore, like yeah, smoking yeah, cigarettes, yeah. like taking classes type of thing? Well, oh, oh, that was that was your. I've life. never left class, and, never, I, to, and you're still as taking an actor, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. As an actor, if if you really have a respect for the craft, I don't think you leave class. That's um, yeah. I have a degree in theater. Uh, yeah. I toured with the L.A. Shakespeare Company. Wow. Um, yeah. So you toured around America with it, or uh, just around locally? Oh. And you like you were like Kate Timmy the Shrew, <laughs> Juliet Kate the Shrew. I was. Uh, you were the leading lady. I was not. I'm, I'm not Juliet type material. Um, <laughs> you were the taming bitch. of the. I was definitely yes. Kate. Got it. Uh, Hermia. Uh, I played Festy, Twelfth Night, uh-huh. Puck. Um, oh, Puck. Good. Ro- yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you have serious theater chops. I have serious theater chops. Okay. That was that was that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. Was theater and and if if I could make. Um, you know the kind of money doing theater that you can in film. That's that's what I would ultimately be. Sure, yeah. Going after, it's kind of a good combination of of the live element of performance and serious acting and comedy. I mean, you can kind of combine everything. Yeah, I feel the same way. I was I was a, a, a theater nerd. I went to graduate school for. You're theater. still a theater nerd, aren't you? I haven't done theater in two years though, so now I feel like oh this, my. this bitch. She says two <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like a long time. That's all I did, okay. and now it's. Are you not? You're not. You're not in class now. No, so I guess no. I'm not a real thespian. No, I'm not no, in no, class. no. But also, I'm not a real thespian because I Brr. haven't done a production. I haven't done a production uh, in probably like six years. Yeah. Um, and to me, that makes me sad. That's like, you know, that's that's the love of the art. For, uh, uh, for me, this is a, this is a segue, but and I'm going to make it about me all of a sudden. <laughs> Although this <laughs> no, is no, no. Go ahead, go but ahead. I d- so. I did a I did a, sh- a show on Broadway. I played Mickey Mantle, and it was a great role. The play didn't really work, but I'm so bummed that I didn't role. get to see that because I've heard uh, a lot a about couple, it. A couple. Brent Morin saw it. I think Brent Morin a few a few, a few comics saw it, yeah. and then um. So uh, and then after that, the next play I did, I played Rudolf Nureyev in a, in a play, a new play called Nureyev's Eyes, and you know he's a you know so Mickey Mantle, big Oklahoma like baseball player and then who's a gay Russian ballet dancer dies of AIDS and so I'm like okay if I do those back to back then I've proved something to myself as an actor and the process for both of those plays as rewarding as they are are also like really miserable because in theater you really really get caught up in the minutia of dealing with other people mm-hmm. and that's the costume designer the, le- the set designer like everyone has a finger in your creative pie and it can be unless you have a really great director who can really galvanize the group as a team. It's you just want to 
punch everyone in the face at one point. Yeah. Like every like it was a baseball play, and a bunch of dudes, just a bunch of balls walking around. Eventually, but, like, but like not. You but, know what I mean? But, I mean, yeah, there's still no, like but, half the cast has to be like have like a dance background, and they're especially on Broadway. They're uh, yeah. But I mean, they, they what, they're they're actually like the playing only, like they're men. They called they called <laughs> like the only like dude dudes. So some of these guys were like you know they played football in college or played baseball. They oh, okay. were like about about as manly as you're going to get. Yeah. On Broadway. <laughs> on Broadway. Right, right, right. So, but, so there, there was a little bit of, and I just remember, and then, then the play didn't work, and then ner- Nerve's Eyes It didn't was, work? What do you mean? It just didn't, um, and we could go on about that, but the, the play just didn't, I thought click. there were problems with the play. First of all, Mickey Mantle was, I don't know if you know anything about Mickey Mantle, but he was a piece of shit. I mean, he was a, oh, a oh. drunk womanizer. He had ed- well, every yeah, STD, and, um, and I thought that's interesting that he was that guy. And it's also hilarious that we like idolize him. Like exactly. And I think that's cool. An you did one paradox. thing well, but like look yeah, you at hit you a ball like, and you 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 literally <laughs> right. you talk about hey, I would go by the but my that's fans, what the play should have been fa- about. I would fart in their faces. He'd like little boys would be like, and he'd turn around and fart in their face, and he thought it was hilarious. Um, I did. But know anyway, that. so the point is, I did that, and then I uh, the last play I, I auditioned for was a play about the Little Rock Nine, and it was very much about you know. The, the Black Lives Matter and everything and all the you know so it was a black director black producers and I was going to be the white guy playing every white racist in Alabama at the time Arkansas Arkansas you were the sorry only, <laughs> you were Rock, the only yikes. white person in the play there would be two people it was a oh. nine person two white people you play interchangeable and I had like three auditions I spent hours and hours working on it and then I like try to do an impersonation of Orville Faubus the governor uh, from Arkansas and I didn't get it ultimately and I was so bummed for a long time and then a month later I'm like let me see what the reviews are like two months later let me see what the reviews of this play are and I had to basically like deep web search to get right. a review right. because no one gives a fuck about theater and I yeah. found their review they're like uh, it's pretentious it's that, too I'm long sorry, I'm sorry it's that boring pause that just hurt my heart but continue <laughs> yeah so I'm like oh wow this thing that I didn't book that broke my heart and yeah. made me feel really bad about myself as a person, as an actor, was came and went with no fanfare or recognition or anything. Okay, anyway, so this play <laughs> I did, it was, uh, it was a mess. And uh, I was like, wow, that's what theater has become unless you luck out and you do Hamilton or something. Anyway, so that's been my experience. I think I'm retired from theater is my point. It's good. Do you feel like really? you ever want to go back and do theater again? If the opportunity oh, presents itself, and you sing too, right? I sing, yeah. So, so my my background is musical theater. So, I feel like Broadway. It's not like an. It's open to anyone, but I feel like it would be open to you. Have you thought about doing Broadway? Have you auditioned? Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. What I want to go back to um, is musical theater and and going back to stage. Um, but I, I feel like I have so much. It, it's such a pull because I feel like I have, I'm from here. I have so much that I want to do here. Yeah. Um, and then eventually be be Michael. So, so uh, now let's talk about TV and film and stuff because you, you. I know you have projects that you work. What 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 is your experience with that? What have you been doing in terms of TV and film or video or? Um, well, I I have a project right now that I'm working on. Um, that's about my stand-up, I guess all of his comics are doing. Um, taking my stand-up and, and writing it into a TV show. Okay. I, I'm allowed to ask exactly what part of your stand-up? 
Um, well, yeah, it's, I mean, so it's centered around my family. That's, uh, it's a project called Building Court, and it's, um, it's, my sister was adopted. My family dynamic is really funny and, um, kind of explains a lot of, of why I am who I am. Yeah. Um. Now, what is, what is the story? Because we did talk about that briefly up at Big Sur. No, just mm -hmm. to give people background. Uh, I, I hung out with Courtney up in the, and by hung out, we should be very clear, platonically, because people were like, hey, <laughs> we what shows. does that mean? We were up there for shows. We did shows. Yeah. And, uh, we had two great shows, two wonderful shows. Did we do two shows? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why. that, that Yeah, with Mark Saratella. I thought it was one show. Oh, it was two nights, one? Oh, my God. Anyway, we shouldn't name the person because I was going to talk about what happened when we were up there. <laughs> uh, one of the comics that we were working with and his name may or may not have been mentioned um was nervous i, I think felt really bad about ticket sales so he got drunk and then he might have combined the drunkenness with some other chemical but the the end result of said interaction of chemicals was he he, he was on a loop he, he got himself on a loop and stayed and if, if by a loop there's a very famous video out with Pablo Francisco, where he was on stage. Have you seen this video? Yeah. Well, I mean, after you explained it yeah. to me, because I did not know that was mentally that was possible. A thing. And I've, I've yeah. seen it before, but not on, I've, so that was the second time I've seen it on stage, where this comic, great guy, uh, but he was on a loop, and he, he, he started doing crowd work that led to a bit. And then when that was over, he went back, did the same crowd work, which led to the same bit, back to back. <laughs> and he had no idea he did. Sometimes you'll repeat a joke At if it's been a long time. Way. We looked at the back and we're like, get the fuck off the stage. And it was horrendous. I mean, luckily it was sold out that night. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many agents and managers. Anyway, so uh, anyway, so that's where, and Big Sur, if you don't know anything about that, is a 13-mile stretch of highway. What, what is okay. Big Sur? In um, the Sequoia National? Yeah, Sequoia? it's uh, Redwoods. Redwoods. Yeah, you're you're driving through. Um, it's one of the most beautiful drives in the world. On apparently. the one on one coast, yeah. One on one coast. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was actually shut down. It had just opened. It just opened. Like, yeah. The day before. Yeah. We went up there. It was really beautiful, and we went up there, and uh, it's really beautiful country, and then sort of desecrated it with our comedy that night. Right. <laughs> and it was my birthday. And it was your birthday. Right. It was my birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a mess, but it was fun. So anyway, uh, yeah. go go back. So you. Yeah, you were telling me about the story of your sister. Oh, again. my sister. Yeah. So I mean, everybody has their shit with their family. Um, mine's just kind of funny and and lends to um, lends to comedy well, and it kind of lends to why. What is, What is the background? I, I forgot what it was. My sister was adopted uh, at a young age, and she's she's eleven months older than me. So we shared a room. We were, we were kind of raised like twins. We were the same friends, same. And she looks just like me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, as kids, she looked just like me. It was like she had blue eyes and I have green brown eyes. I have hazel eyes. Yeah. Um, but she'd always be like, they're blue brown. Um, <laughs> so, but like long brown hair, freckles. And we shared a room, shared friends. And she just kind of became better than me. You know, it yeah. was like, it was like my parents replaced me. So, um, you felt your parents loved her more than they loved you. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that in your head or is that something <laughs> that has been vetted since then? 
Well, no, I think my role became just trying to make everybody laugh. Yeah. Because I didn't, because there was nothing else to be filled. And your sister wasn't doing that. She wasn't a young girl. Oh, no, no, no. She was just like pretty and like. Yeah. You know. And you're like, I'll be the funny one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I think for a lot of comics, that's, that's their story. Sure. But, but so for, I mean, for the project that I'm working on, it, it kind of, it, it lends itself to this idea that she, um, that we've heard the adoption story, but we've never heard it from the kid that was like replaced in the family. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, or the, you know, what, what actually really happens. So it's, it's not actually a comedy, it's a dramedy. Yeah. Um, and none of it's made up. We go through, um, and we've shot some of this stuff already, but we go through, you know, trying to find her real mom. And making contact with her, and then her mom not wanting to see her, and and just um, you know, her mom tried to get her back at a young age. And, oh, her mom did. Yeah, yeah. And then when she was granted custody, after like eight months of putting our family through hell, so the biological mom was granted custody. Yeah, because they always want to do that. They always want to. Wow, I thought that once you signed the contract no. and adopted, it was like tough titties. No, 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 no. They always want to give the biological mom, uh-huh. um, even like over a father. How, how long was she with your family when the biological mom tried to do that? Six years. That is crazy. Yeah. Six years. Mm-hmm. Since, how old? Since one, yeah, two? Yeah, no. So it's literally like... It's like, like, hey guys, like our family like set us down. They're like, so Tiff's leaving. And Holy like, what? crap! No, where's she going? Like, she's going on vacation. Like, it, and it you knew she so was. Weird. You did know she was adopted. They didn't try to hide the ball with that. Oh no, no, no! I always knew, and and I mean also that's you know it's that competition. Sure. I knew she was adopted, so I always like held that over. Yes. But then she held it over me, like, yeah, yeah you weren't good enough, so they had to get me, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm here by ways. choice. You're there by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So that I've never, I've never heard that story about adoption. I thought that there was, because it seems if, if if that's the case, at what age? How many years can you be with the non-biological family before it becomes untenable to take that child away? It seems crazy. Like you could raise them from zero to thirteen, and all of a sudden the biological mother's like, nah. She's well, mine. what has to happen is, um, and I, I to I I'm I don't want to say this for for right now because I, I don't know what, what the laws are right now but at the time it was um, that she she had lived with us and they were they had filed to adopt her but her mom has to legally sign her over yeah and so she had been living with us for six years and her mom's like you know keeps getting this paperwork like you know your child wants to be adopted out and she's like nah nah she's fucked up I mean she was 15 when she had her yeah um and so finally, it's like, no, I want her back. And my parents are like, we we've been taking care of this child for six years. She's a part of our family. And so you had to go to court. There was a whole. Yeah, we had to go to court. And I mean, from the start, we had it was like mandated therapy. I've been in therapy my entire life, but it wasn't. It's funny to say as a comic or be like, you have so many problems. But if, for me, it, it was court mandated. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a choice. Um. So her mom, you know, fought to get her back her mom won and then the day she won she was just like just wanted to see if it could <laughs> she's like you you guys can keep her what so like after all of this emotional and my parents having to get lawyers and it was just 
It put it put our it put our family through. So hell. and then your family didn't recoup the money from that. They didn't have no, to. No, 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 no. Oh my god! I feel like the state should pay your family for putting them through that. Well, yeah, and then I mean, the actual reality of the situation. Like my sister ended up like running away. So when shortly, was shortly like, after that, that was a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the whole thing's fucked up. So, Families are fucked yes, up. Yes, yes. So, and I love it. So, she ran away. How soon after this failed adoption attempt did she run away? Um, why do you think that biological mother did that? Five years. Like, um, in, in all seriousness, why do you think she did, went through that? Because it must have been I, hard for her, too. Yeah, I think, well, no, it wasn't hard for her. Because she actually didn't have to have a lawyer. She's literally just, like, showed up in court and was like, no, I want my child back. And the state will always side with the mom who's like, wow. you're, you're clean, you're sober, they do tests. They're like, you're employed, you have a house to live in. Social workers and come And she out, did that. She check checked all stuff. those boxes. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, so she had her, she's in her 20s, early 20s. Yeah. And they're like, cool, yeah, we'll grant you custody. And then she was like, like, wait, full custody? We have to get her every day. Um, yeah. So she didn't, it's not like your sister went and had a trial period of no. living with her. She never even went never over there. Yeah. It was just the emotional struggle of us, us, you know, of my parents literally sitting my brother and I down and, and Tiffany and being like, so you're, you're leaving, you know, I'm, it's traumatic. Like I, I remember that. It yeah. was, um, you know, we went to Chuck E. Cheese after it was. <laughs> yeah. After all traumatic day. things, you go to Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, and still do. Yeah. I have the feeling, have you, have you try to reverse engineer this and think about she probably said she probably changed her mind because of something fucked up like she probably changed her mind maybe because she did do drugs or she did have problems and that she was hiding from the court and maybe she realized oh, she was a fuck up to begin with yeah no no, no. there was nothing it because it, it, i mean that's always what the case is it's like at the time when you get interviewed do you have a job? Are you clean? I mean, she could have lost her job the next day. Like, yeah, of course. You know, of course. anything. Yeah. It's easy to say you're or clean, Or she could too. have just said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do drugs for the next two months because I'm trying to get my child back. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. What and then, the so she, the uh, adoption, uh, the re-adoption, unadoption failed. And then she ran away. How much soon? How soon after that? Um. Like a couple of years? Like, like right five away? five years later. Five years later. Yeah. She ran and what was yeah. that? Was that like a real runaway or just went down the street with a suitcase? Like, I'm leaving. And he no, came back no, no, no. It was, it was like a good, it was like a good five-year runaway. Whoa. <laughs> this is a legitimate, like, it milk like carton <laughs> runaway. So this isn't like a part of the, the project. Though. This like, is not I part of the project because you right. have to the make it a little bit that, cuter. Yeah, she, the reality is, is um, the statistics on children that run away at, from adopted, from being adopted um, it's it, it, it's really high. It's not. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you um, know a number? No. I don't know a number, and I don't. But it's just it's just it it's just way it's, outside the standard deviation of like. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's surprising. It's um actually, my parents were told they're like, this child's gonna have issues, and this is not this is not gonna go well. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. But congratulations. Um, but, yeah, you won. Um. But I mean, their their main thing was just like they they loved her, we loved her, and and she was a part of our family at that point. Um, but w the first few years of life are so important. Yeah. Um, 
and you think like, oh, there's a baby, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. like they need to be, they need to be held and touched. Yeah, and, and, and the skin to skin. There's safety. a whole thing about when a child is born, both the mother and the father, they encourage to hold yeah. the baby against your yeah. skin so they yeah. can absorb your pheromones and all that other. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's, um, it's it's sad to see that that. that that played out, but the 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 silver lining in the story is that um, we were disconnected for many years. More than five years. Um, about five years. About five years. About five years. So she and ran now, away at fifteen. Uh, no, at thirteen. Uh, she was almost fifteen. Yeah. Okay, and then she's now she's twenty, and you reconnected how? Um. She called, she, she ended up in Missouri. So when she ran away, your parents must have tried to do an APB and put a search out for A million times, and then they found her. And when I say that we were, we were disconnected for about three years. Yeah. Um, so it took three years to find her, that she was alive. The first three years, it was back and forth. She'd be down here in Hollywood, the police would pick her up. And after a while, she started lying about why she didn't want to be at home. Oh, no. Um, saying my parents were doing things. And I mean, yeah. my mom's like the president of the PTA. You know, yeah. I'm president of my elementary, junior high, fucking high school. But, you know, it, like like by the book, it's like, what's going on here? Well, what um, was going on? Like what? what? She, she just didn't feel like she belonged. And that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. And when she left, did she try to go back to her biological mother? Uh, she tried to go back to her biological father. Which is my uncle, who I've okay. never met. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, yeah, she um, she did that, and eventually, when we that, that didn't go well, and eventually, when we reconnected, um, for a while, we didn't know if she was like alive or it had been a few years. Yeah. Um, At this point, the trail has gone cold. You've given up on. I'm trying yeah. to connect with her. Yeah. You got to move on, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is also at a time where, like, you know, people were just starting to get cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, let me <laughs> think about that. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to think about. It's just like, why would you, you fucking text her? Yeah, so, yeah, it was probably, I mean, really, it's so funny because I've read about thing this. There was a thing as a text. Texting didn't really start until 2007. Yeah. It was after American Idol, an American Idol vote, where they, you texted the vote. That taxi actually took off in American culture, and that was 2007. No, I swear to God, I think I read it in one of those uh, social psychology <laughs> books. Who's that guy? That because I think it started when I text my ex. <laughs> um, but I think it became like mainstream around 2007. Those are my neighbors fighting with each other. By the way, I love it. It's yeah, like a rear window back here. That's a comforting thing to me. Um, by the way, this is the coldest night that we've ever done this podcast. Courtney is such a trooper for being out here. <laughs> no, I'm super cozy. Okay, so um, yeah, because this this is fascinating to me. So she she ran away. You didn't know. You thought she might be dead. And then, how did the first connection happen? She called you. Um. She had been arrested for something. Oh, drugs. No, actually, just uh, partying, underage drinking. Okay. Uh, she was in Missouri, and she'd been picked up by the police, and so they traced her record and, and brought it back to my parents, and they were like, "We, I mean." Yeah, we haven't had contact with her in years. Um, and 
once she so my my at least we knew she was alive we knew yeah um and then she actually on her own turned her life around like she went back and got her ged um when she fully came back into her life at the time this bitch she had put herself back in school she had met a guy she was living with they owned two homes a boat cedars she had her own business a daycare Wait, she, she had she the, all this money because of her own business, or she married well? Oh, well, they they weren't married, but they kind of, in Missouri, I mean, it's a lot different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they just, yeah, they were just working. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she she just turned her life around and decided, I want to be a, an active part of society. Um, and she's how old at this point? Uh, 20. 20, so, 20. and you haven't met her yet? So you go down there, or she comes... No, she eventually called my parents, like, maybe six, seven months after she'd been arrested. And, um, yeah, we reunited. It took a while. It was it was really weird, because it was... So, did she... Now, I don't want to get too deep into this, because I feel like this might be tough for you to talk about, but you said that she said things about your parents. Now, for me, that always makes me think... You know, that she said some sort of like, they worship the devil, they touched me in the no-no zone. Or, yeah. Um, so if you're a child and you say that to get out of a situation, I mean, did she ever make amends with that with your parents? Was that something that they kind no. of redressed? No. No. Um, and I mean, for me, it was at the time I, w- I was at El Camino High School here in the Valley and had had police come into my classroom and escort oh, me out because <laughs> of child like, protective services Whoa. type of situation yeah. and help me and i was like and ask you questions i have i have, I have basketball practice like what, what am i doing yeah and they're like have your parents ever touched you like yeah. my dad hugged me what do you mean he hugged you yeah i mean that's what they do with these kids they lead them into the questions they want oh know? no 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 they they word them in such a way where i'm like they're like have, have your parents ever hit you and i'm like yeah yeah I was a shitty kid they hit me a bunch yeah Yeah. I'm like actually my mom and I got into a fight last week (laughs) I think I came home wasted at 2am so yeah it was very but it was also yeah it was a a very hard time Um, my I think once she came back into our lives my my family is extremely forgiving sure that, that is that's one thing I'm, I'm very grateful for my parents instilling in me is like the sense of I can look at it outside of myself and be like from where she came from yeah her, the first few years of her life and her just wanting um just tr- just trying to find herself for her yeah. own you know it, it, what she did obviously isn't isn't right and you know in her own way I know that she's sorry and she but she's never apologized to your parents or to you necessarily. You know, Bill, you didn't have to ask the question that directly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to like throw <laughs> no, your No, she hasn't. You know, let's call her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I She'd don't know. She'd be like, whatever, Carney, I'm fucking sorry. We're extremely But you, you obviously, now. look, I, yeah. I, I talk about this. My, 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 my parents don't know how podcasts work, so I'm not too worried about it. But my mom was a, was a pretty bad alcoholic when I was growing up. So when I went to acting school... You know, so much about like excavating your soul and finding out all the demons and coming yeah. to wholeness. And so people are like, you really got to talk to your mom about this and confront her about her alcoholism and everything she put you through. 
when you're a kid. Did and I remember that? I was like, I'm going to do it. I came home like one summer, like, well, you know, I'm going to talk. And she just like, just started bawling, crying, like, ah, and like basically caught the vapors and like passed out on the couch. And I was, and I was like, oh, well, that's not going to happen. And I never brought it up. I never brought it up again. And, <laughs> and then I told people either? like, well, I'm not going to bring up because my mom just, when I brought it up, she really had a bad reaction. They're like, no, you got to heal it. You got to fucking do it. But I feel like there's some shit you just never need to talk about. It's just you find a way to get your own closure. You forgive her. You forgive yourself and you move on. You don't have to have a big goddamn terms of endearment confrontation about it. Yeah. Where you're screaming and shit. Yeah. Enough things have been talked about around the situation that... um, You feel like you have a a full relationship with your sister now. Yeah. 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 She's, She's one of the closest people in my life. and She's nowhere near... I, I could not have imagined that our relationship would have turned into what it is now. Like, she's she's like my left hand. She's, what was the turning yeah. point where you went from sort of being out of touch, getting back in touch, into, like, really bonding again? Um, she, well, she moved, she moved from Missouri back out here, back to L.A., and she, um, she just wanted family. There was just, like, oh, a really? switch in her where she was... She was just all in. And with and the was, same guy? She's still with the same C-Dews? No, 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 no. Uh, so she only dates black guys now. Um, now, what, I want to ask you this real quick. <laughs> she, uh, not a lot of black guys, black guys have C-Dews in general. Right, right, right. No. So, no, um, no. racially and sort of, in terms of like, I don't know, I don't want to talk about identity politics or intersectional shit like that, but you are a, a white Jew. Was her ethnicity part of her feeling of not of dissociation with the family like she wasn't Jewish I'm assuming no 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 she's she's definitely of the same heritage oh she is yeah okay yeah yeah they're yeah. like we're adopting a Jew damn it yeah well I mean and I also when I say Jew I mean I wasn't I wasn't raised religiously like, well most Jewish people are secular that. right so <laughs> right are most Jews atheists <laughs> yes, anyway so, so okay so she was agnostic. You were raised that way. Were your parents? Were yeah. your so your parents were practicing Jews? They were cultural Jews. Were they practicing like weird like Baha'i faith or? Um, no, they were they were lazy. They, they were lazy. They did nothing. They, <laughs> they were like, here's a couple couple religions. Figure it out. <laughs> we're like, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just read. Oh, okay. So you never yeah. identified really as a no. Jewish I've never uh, no. I've I've never identified as anything. Okay. Um. Yeah, other than, like, spirituality, that's... Yeah, so that wasn't part of, of your sister's feeling of displacement? Or no, not at, yeah. all. Okay. not at all. And you've talked about it enough with her, you feel like it's done? Is she part of the, the show? Like, is she a creative consultant on the show you're making? Um, y- yeah, she definitely... She's not an actress, is she? No, okay. no, she's actually, she teaches pole dancing. She teaches pole dancing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it? That's all she does, is teach you pole dancing? Uh-huh. She yeah. must be really she good at that. it. She's phenomenal at it yeah yeah she it's owns a, a pole dancing studio studio yeah what can we say what's called yeah uh co-create 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 okay. in santa monica yeah wow that's amazing yeah that yeah. there's a whole industry just on learning how to pole dance well there is, it's like a boxing gym it's it's um yeah actually she just she just had one of her students one of the poles come out so there's people of all sizes doing yes this, doing this activity it's not when yeah. you think pole dancing, you're like, oh, like yeah. strippers and they're sexy. The it's not. That's not yeah. The, yeah. And actually, I think tonight she's teaching a, a 17 year old um, 
she's auditioning for a musical to play Mimi and Ren. Oh she's wow! She's just giving her pole dancing lessons so she can. Is there pole dance. dancing in Rent? I forgot that. Um, she's a she's a stripper. She's, she's a, stripper. a stripper. Oh, that's right. So she yeah. wants to like method act, get into the pole. Oh, I love that. So a, a big a heavy set woman got out and ripped the pole from the ceiling. Is that what happened? Ceiling, yeah. And yeah. now she's dealing with a lawsuit. Um, she has insurance, <laughs> and I think the woman the woman was fine. She wasn't she wasn't injured. She was a little sore, but yeah. <laughs> so all is well. Yeah, so I want to talk about this project. So the project you've written it, and you're shooting scenes from it, and you want to. Um, and is this kind of like? Your, do you feel like this is your story, the story that you want to tell? Like up till now, this is the thing that you feel you really yeah. want to express. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and it's also, it's kind of like transparent. There's there's a lot of, um, my family dynamic in it, which is, which is kind of the pull pull of the show it's, yeah. it's the heart of the show so yeah. there's a lot of sub stories going on which and your all... parents have read it as well yeah and what yeah. they think they were mortified <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like is this why me would you that? and I was like well you said it so I put it yeah <laughs> yeah so. I wrote a pilot call I met my daughter on Facebook based on my relationship with my daughter who I did not meet on Facebook but I met when she was two yes and so um and there was a time when the mother and her were out of my life, and then my daughter friend requested me on Facebook when she was around eight years old. So okay. it's the, the pilot is about my daughter like finding me through social media and coming to like crash into my bachelor life, yeah, and stay with me while the mom is out like getting arrested for for drug crime, which happened. So um, so but I'm like oh, so it's kind of like Two and a Half Men, but it's, it's kind of based on when my daughter stayed with me in New York for uh, a couple weeks. And, um, <laughs> and why, why am I, why am I bringing that up? I'm definitely not some, but, uh, but I brought that up because we were talking about, uh, oh, oh, so I had my daughter read it and I was terrified what she would think about it. Mm-hmm. And her only problem was like, ugh, she's like, I hate like these sitcoms where you make like an eight year old act like the smartest person in the, in the room. Like yeah, the eight year old's yeah. always so much more savvy and clever than the dad. The yeah. dad's just like, oh, I have diapers or tampons. Which one do you use? <laughs> um, so she didn't like that. But she was like, hey, you made a, you made a sitcom about me. What's that to like? And although although mine isn't being shot right now. It's just okay. <laughs> it's just being shopped around and nothing. Anyway, so how 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 deep it, how deep cuts are you into? Are you almost ready to shoot? I think when we talked to Big Sur, you were like, this fall, we're going to do it this fall. <laughs> do it this fall. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty deep into it. We're, yeah, yeah we're getting ready to shoot. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, excited. so back to comedy. So you, you, uh, you've been doing comedy for eight years now, you said? Mm-hmm. And what was the thing that first got you on stage? Was there, like, did you just go, fuck it, I'll do that mic? Or did um, someone drag you kicking and screaming onto the stage? No, no, no. And I don't think it's, do people say that? Do people, like, pulled them on the stage? I was kind of, I was... When I did it, I had people say, oh, you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. Because I was, I did like a lot of literal, literal clown stuff, like mm-hmm. physical comedy clown stuff. Yeah. My thesis in grad school was a clown thesis, like Charlie Chaplin shit. Like on rollerblades and doing stunts and just dumb, which I love, but, but I'd always just do dumb, like pratfalls and yeah. shit like that. So people, oh, you should do, you should do stand-up. I think that would like, <laughs> somehow they thought that would work. So, so my friend was like, I was like, no, no. And then my friend was like, I'm going to drag you. He like paid me to get a cab seat, paid for my open mic, 
He said, you got to do it. And I went up there. And I think he knew I was going to bomb. Yeah. Because I hadn't written a joke. Oh, well, that's, I mean, and, that's, that's not a thing. But I just right. thought, like, I'll get up on stage and just be my funny self. Right. You know, I think a lot of people think that, hey, I'm funny. And they go on stage and they don't have, like, one joke written. Yeah, I, I have to say, as a comic, that's that's one of my biggest, like, pet peeves. Is, and I'm sure you get it at least a couple times a week where people are like, who are you, comic? I don't even say it anymore. <laughs> when somebody just asks what you do, I'm just like, oh. You, you a comic, tell me a joke? No, that, um. That's so crazy. Every everyone I meet says I'm should, so funny. funny. Yeah, I should start comedy. Like they're like mad at me, bro. They're like, <laughs> you gotta fucking. I'm I'm getting it together, and you're like, what are you? What are you, what are you getting together? Like you're not. <laughs> yeah. It's because it actually has nothing. I even say this. I'm like, well, it it kind of like only has half to do with how funny you are. Sure, I agree. Maybe even less. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we if we really look at the people we're out there with, <laughs> some of these people are definitely not funny people, what? but they're good comics. They're good comics. Yeah. Because half of it has to do less than with how funny you actually are. Yeah. Work ethic is probably like seventy five percent. Yeah. If you sit every day at Coffee Bean and you write every day, and you hire writers to write for you every day, and you get up, and you get up on stage eventually, and you like people. And, you unless no you are literally like Aspergers. And even then, like, yeah. yeah, you have to be severely, like, fragile X Down syndrome to not be able to become a functioning And comic. also not care that you don't have a life after eight years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or any relationship. So, so you weren't, Jack, you, you were, like, you were had your own agency. You were, like, I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to do it. Did you feel confident you want to stage? You had jokes. You had a set. You had a playlist. Oh, I thought you You killed. Yeah. Oh, and I where were you? I had, I had... My, all of my family and friends. I'm from here, so like, yeah. the first time I went on stage, it Where was, was it? improv. Improv. Oh God, yeah. damn! Oh, I led my wit on stage, and I. You, your first, before an open mic, before Bringer show. I've never been on. Stage. You were at the Hollywood Improv. Yeah. Uh-huh. On a regular show. Mm-hmm. With on a reg- with like beasts, um, with like regular fucking. To think back now. Who was on the show? Do you remember? I, I, the only person I remember it was because it was the only other female was Jade Catapretta. Oh wow! I didn't even realize person. she was doing it that long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she. I think she was like two years in at that time, maybe three. Huh. Okay. She was working at the comedy store. Um. But yeah, I, I had I had all my friends and family out, and I I think I did six. I blacked out. I and I mind you. What you been blacked on, out? I don't I don't remember a minute because you were like nervous as fuck. Yeah. But you I, killed. And I had never experienced. So you don't even remember your first joke? No. Wow. No, 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 no. I don't at all. I mean, other than that, like I had it written down like fifty times. I'd just been like reciting it like a monologue. monologue. Um, But yeah, I never had stage fright like that. So, um, and I think I could just transition from acting into stand up. Yeah. And after that first set, I was like, oh, this is a different muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also just the physical experience of it was so different yeah it was like it was like a drug like I became addicted to that of course it's funny because you and you and I I was going to say you and me <laughs> but you and I you and I are, are are two of the only comics I know that really went from like hardcore theater people for a while into yeah. stand up yeah because I started I guess I was in my late 20s when I started stand up after I'd been doing theater for a long time 
but I did it. I started doing stand-up because I was doing all these new plays and all these off-Broadway plays. And I was always under the impression that directors thought actors were idiots. And whenever I had a suggestion, like a creative suggestion for, for a script, like, hey, this line would be funny if we did Bill, you're just an actor. <laughs> I'm a writer. Right. You know, there's a difference between us. And I started really getting like present to the fact that writers and directors are dumber than actors. Most actors I know. I mean, actors, most actors I know are some of the smartest people I know are actors. So, yeah. so it really started pissing me off. And that's what got me into stand up is like, wait, I have a voice. I can be creative. I can write some funny shit. So I don't want to be told what to do by a bunch of hacky writers. Yeah. Did you have the same experience for you, or was it? Well, for me, I think that was the biggest thing. It was like um, coming from working so much as a as a kid, uh, literally working too much as a kid. And uh, when what type of work were you doing? Like commercials, TV, film? Were you um, on a series? All of it. I I worked I'd worked on Nickelodeon. Um, I mean, when you're a kid, parents, that's the top of the you yeah. Know, food chain. Yeah, yeah. But my parents were very adamant about. Like if I had a softball practice and I had an audition for Nickelodeon, they'd turn down the audition and they yes. wouldn't even tell me that I had it. And I'd be like, when I found out later, I'd be throwing a fit like, you're ruining my career. <laughs> and they're like, you're nine, bitch. Shut up. Like, I was, I was so, I, I just knew that this was, this was what I wanted to do yeah. in my life. And I didn't want, then it was like, anytime the phone rang, I'd like pick up the other end of it, you know, to try to hear what they were lying about or, you know. Yeah. Um, but so that transition from going, working so much as a kid to then after I graduated college and I came back, I thought, I thought the fucking industry was like waiting for Yeah. Me. They're like, I know you guys <laughs> been in pause for four years, but here I am. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't like that. So um, I, it, it was really hard. I was like, the only time that I actually got to perform was at auditions. At auditions, yeah. And I was like, this is, it, it, it was painful. It was really painful. What's part of the issue is that when you came out of school, you were going up, you were going up against every like young, hot ingenue in Hollywood. Yeah. And there's something, I mean, I, I felt like when yeah. I was coming out to, in, to Hollywood for like my first pilot season, it was like I was going up against Bradley Cooper and dudes who are much better looking than me. And I was like, I'm kind of not like the, I'm not really leading. I'm ish, but also kind yeah, of same funny. And same, same thing. It's like um, the characters that I played growing up. I mean, fucking Nickelodeon. Like my comedy was my thing. Yeah. So I, I was always, and the role in my family. I, I, I was always. I, I'm a character actor. Yeah. Um, but you look at me, and I, an agent even said this. He's like, you're not. You're not pretty. You're not ugly, but you're you're interesting. And I was like, <laughs> like, ouch! It's the most painful thing you can say. No, but also I knew what he was saying. It's like yeah, I'm know. not. You look at me, and I'm not. I'm you know. I'm not. I could be nowadays. I'm leading for lady. a comedian. You're like a nine and a half. Okay, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> for a Hollywood yeah, actress, I'm not going to say the number, but you know well, what I mean. It's it's less, <laughs> but. But no, but I feel the same way. But also, it's definitely changing. It's um, leading ladies now. At the time, it was. It was just like straight teeth, big boobs. Yeah. Um, it was very different. Um, but I think me going into stand-up, it was like, 
oh, I, I, this is actually something I can have control of. Yeah. I can do this every day. I can write, which I had never had. Yeah. It was so empowering and being like, Very oh, I, I can control this. I can get on stage. It, and it was like an audition every night, um, mm-hmm. which it's back to the theater. Like I'm, I'm exactly. in a theater. People are live and they're responding to me in time. And, and now, one of the things that people have asked me a lot is what's the difference between, first of all, if you, if you could give up one forever, I think most people will say who are actors in comics, they would say they would give up acting because, because comedy is the heartbeat. Comedy is every, every night or every week or, you know, and acting yeah. can be, you can act like four guest stars in a year, which is really no amount of time. Yeah. People are like, you're killing it. And you know, I've, why are we asking that question? Why do we have to give up one? Why do you have to give up one? Yeah. Well, I don't know. People always <laughs> ask me that. People go, well, what's, what do you, when it's people ask me what I miss, like, what do you miss about oh. theater acting that like comedy or TV and film do not give you? And I have a very specific idea for that, but I, what do you, how do you feel about that? Is there something that the, theater acting gives you that you don't get from stand-up? Or the, from yeah, the, there's definitely. There's, um, because when you said that, I was like, now I'm this far in it, so my life has definitely shifted into, even when people ask what I do, I say I'm a comic, yeah. which I never thought, that was never what I even wanted to do. I say know? that now too, yeah. But, but for me, I actually feel a little bit of shame saying I'm an actor. And I, and that that is to me that's my craft. Like, I'm, I I hold a lot of pride in saying that. Yeah. But I would rather say that I'm a comic in this town. Because um, it makes you more interesting. An actor in LA is like, oh, really? Yeah. It's redundant. Yeah. Well, and also because everybody says that. Everybody says anybody everybody says they're an actor because they got a headshot. Right. 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 And now, actually, nowadays, everybody says they're a comic if they don't know the mic. <laughs> and you don't but, need a headshot. Yeah. But if I don't know them, I'm like, you're not really a comic. Um, they, I, I think, I think the idea of being on stage and being in a theater community, um, there, there's an energy about putting on a production and even as you said, you know, as you were saying that earlier, like the costumes and the lights and, and everything that goes into a production, it's, it's, it's much as being, it's, it's much of the, the feeling of being on set. Yeah. Um, you know, that everybody has their job and everybody has their purpose that they're passionate about, that it's not yeah. just like, oh, it's like, yeah, I got hired to run the lights or turn on the mic tonight. They, they have a, they have, that, that's part of their craft. Yeah. You know, they're, they do lighting for theater. You know, they went to school for that. There's there's a history in it, and there's um, there's a love for, for yeah. That. And there's a tradition that you yeah. feel like you're connected to. There's yeah. a, and and uh, so much of it is lost, but when when you're in it and you're a part of it, it's something special. Like there's just a a special feeling about it. Um, that an art that yeah. I, I don't think. You know, walking over to the Laugh Factory is as cool and fun as that experience is. Um, you don't feel, I don't feel as much as an uh, of, of an artist. Like you're you're part of some sort of cultural, yeah, importance. I yeah. guess as, as a word, yeah. yeah. I, I I I can see that. I also find that the problem with doing theater is that everyone thinks they're doing something important. And, and creating creating important theater oh, is the sure way to make a pile of pretentious shit that no one cares about. Oh, there's so much bad theater. One hundred percent. Like I think something like, like Hamilton, for example, was uh, 
about Lin-Manuel Miranda's obsession with this book and this character. I'm like, oh, man, what a cool fucking thing. I think they realized that it was going to have such huge cultural significance no. when they made it. Oh, God, they just no. thought it was cool and I, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the fact that, again, this zeitgeisty thing that has encouraged history teaching in schools. and Even even when it came out, I remember I was like, mm, yeah, not just a little bit. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, how do we get tickets? Like, Have you seen it? No, I haven't. <laughs> so I'll tell you my story. So I, Tommy Kale, who I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, he directed me in Lombardi. He directed Hamilton. Um, he uh, And a guy who I was in the play about the Yankees, Christopher Jackson, who was like, he was like a big, he played George Washington Hamilton. Um, we almost came to blows during Bronx Bombers. Maybe I'll have him on the, on the fucking Why? pod. Why? What do you mean you came to blows? Because it's one of those things, like you, you get involved in, in theater and you're so passionate about what's happening and the lines and the integrity Passions of the play. And, 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 you know, this is also like a multi-million dollar Broadway production. There's a lot at stake. And I feel like he's doing stuff to dim- to diminish the opportunities for the play because he's asking there's a lot of stuff that involved like race and and how it should be treated although the play was set in the 70s like Yogi Berra said at one point about Reggie Jackson said Reggie Jackson is the is the whitest black guy I ever met which is a real thing that Yogi Berra said and I thought great use it it's a real fucking line that he said and yeah. Reggie Jackson if you've ever seen it he talks like this he wears glasses it was a very apt thing and it got a laugh and Christopher Jackson who was very much in Wisconsin uh, you know black community and his voice is very powerful he was just like no this is racist we got to remove it and i go but that's what was happening then this is and it became a whole thing so everything that got that had sort of racial undertones perceived or otherwise um he was very adamant that it got removed and i thought it was whitewashing ironically it was making to put on the play i think so i think plays should be as provocative and dramatic as possible i think people should be should be offended yeah. I mean, people, look, I, I went to Book of Mormon at the second preview, and when that guy came out and said, where are you going? He was like, oh, no, I have to go rape a baby to cure my AIDS. Half the audience left when he said, and I was fucking dying laughing. Like, look at these people, look at all these white blue hairs leaving the audience because of, and of course, then it somehow captured the imagination of the Broadway community. They're like, oh, now it's okay that he says that. Although it's one of the most repulsive things a human being can possibly say, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, so I felt like the, the play needed to be a lot more edgy and dramatic and more, more racism, more sexism, more misogyny. And because Major League Baseball is a producer, they just kind of whitewashed everything. So me and Chris got this big thing. Anyway, so back to... Hamilton. So I went to like the second preview of, of, of Hamilton. I remember same thing, like, okay, it's a rap musical about, ugh. Uh, and literally like five minutes in, I went, oh, I get it. This is going to be huge. Like you'll watch five minutes, you'll be like, it's almost like, duh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're a musical theater person. You know that in order to get exposition out in a song, mm-hmm. that's a, a five minute mm-hmm. song. You need a long song to get out any exposition. I was a girl who grew up on a train, or wherever the fuck it is. <laughs> I'm sure right. that's that was actually um, <laughs> But there's a long, but it takes the first. You're telling a story with the yeah. first 400 pages of the Hamilton biography are covered in Lin Manuel's first rap because yeah. there's so much information that you can tell in a rap. There's so much exposition. His whole life story gets told in the first rap. So you're like, okay. 
now we're we all are caught we're up off. and we're here. Yeah. But a musical just get everyone up to speed on what the world is. It takes a lot more time. So I was like, oh, they, they kind of, they found a, a shortcut is what I felt like with the rap. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know I got really segued. I no, I want to see it. I want to see it. All right. So, uh, so what's that? So what, what is next for you? What is the, what is the big, the big thing, the five year plan, maybe the 10 year plan. I know it's like, you want to do this. I know it's a what shitty question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know it's well, like uh, well, I know the what the twenty-minute plan is. I'm leaving for Big Bear. I'm going snowboarding tomorrow. Oh, you um, snowboard? Of course you do. You're a surfer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going, I'm heading. It's twenty-four degrees in Big Bear tomorrow. Oh, are you going what? with a group of people? Um, I'm going with uh, one of my best friends and her husband. Yeah, we're just going out for a day trip. I know you said you want to you bond more with female comics. Vanessa Johnston told me she is also a snowboarder. Nice. So I don't know if you ever want to go with her. I nice. tried to do it. I'm terrible at it. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I've I've been snowboarding since I was a kid. I was lucky, May. I'm so fucking jealous. Someone got me when I was like six. Was yeah, 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 so. yeah. So this pro and so you're you're okay. I know we were talking about you're you're a teenage actor, and then you got into stand up at the at the Hollywood Improv. First, how did you get on stage there? Who got you? Who put you on stage? Um, Richard. Well, actually, Olivia, my one of my best friends, Olivia, used to work at the Improv, um, and we met working at a restaurant together. Uh, and I said, "God, I forget who the manager was at the time," but she just said, "Rita was there," um, and yeah, just Boom. asked if I yeah. Asked and if I so you it. killed that first show, and after that, did things open up right away? Yeah, well, because there were so few female comics. Really? You think that long ago there were that many comics going Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jade was on the show. Um, but I mean, for yeah, for my first two years doing comedy, I don't... If there was another female on the, co- was on the lineup, rare. it yeah. was like, ooh, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think we were all, like, pretty territorial about yeah. that, of, like... Spot, you and, know. and so from there, were you working at the improv a lot, or what? How did things start progressing there? Um, I I started uh, like a month in. Steve Trevino started uh-huh. taking me uh, on the road. On the road, which spots. is great. He's a, he's a beast. He's a yeah. legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I just thought that that's how it was. It was like, yeah. You work a month. In. You do four shows, and then you're on the road. <laughs> With a big cool. Atlanta. And then about six months in, uh, Bobby Lee started taking me out. Bobby Lee started taking you out. Um, and he saw you through at Steve store. at Comedy Store. Yeah, and just hanging out. I was kind of in, in a friend group with Brent Moore and Collings uh-huh. and Brett Glassman and, and like late night dinners at 101 Cafe. How long how long you toured with Bobby? Um, well, I mean, he gave me road spots for a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah. Yeah. So this is pretty like rarefied air you're in at this point as a female yeah. comic. But you you're not seeing that. You're just like this is what happens yeah, when no, you're I didn't I didn't understand a it. At genius all. like me. <laughs> you work you just I was like I'm having a shoot I'm special. <laughs> yeah. This is what I deserve, yes. Yeah. But actually I I did not understand comedy at all. What I was do you mean? I was reciting a monologue. So um, you were kind of like coming from the actor's point of view when you were doing yeah. comedy. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh no, this is my set. I just I do it. Like hit the play button, recited yeah. it, did it well, performed it well, well but Everyone it applauded. But you felt like it lacked a certain amount of connection, or no? I did. I didn't. I didn't have that in my mind. I was just like, 
this is great. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't understand that I needed to keep growing. And But it was also, I think the people that I had come up with were kind of doing that as well. Got so it. the people that I was looking up to as a new comic, I was like, well, we're all just doing the same stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, when was the moment where you sort of like, oh, like the Matrix was revealed, and you're like, oh, wait, this is actually not what comedy should be, at least for you? Um, I, I started working, I started opening for Brian Callen, and he was like, if you ever do that set again, you're not coming in the room again. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good for him. That's great advice. Oh, no, no, no. And he, and he stuck to that. He was like... When he first said that, you, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What? What? I was like, I just got off, and I had a great set. Yeah, I'm murdered. That shit is horrible. Yeah, don't do that anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? I killed. <laughs> do you see all the fans I have? It was a, but he's like, yeah, I, I, I watched you do that like a year ago. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. And it, and it, I didn't, it didn't connect that this was my opportunity to like say something that I wanted to say. Yeah. And not just repeat. I was just like, because uh, in theater, you're just repeating other people's exactly. lines, and you're like, exactly. and they work well, and they work well, and they're and laughed, it. and do it until you die. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually come from a monologue background. Oh, okay. I competed in in, in high monologue school competitions, monologue dramatic, competitions. yeah. And I, I actually like held a record in high school. I beat out Tiffany Haddish. It's not a big deal, but yes, it is. I, you beat out <laughs> Tiffany Haddish in a monologue competition. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Can we get Tiffany here right now, please? Uh, <laughs> please. Make my podcast here. She's across the street. Um, but so I, I just thought that that's how it worked. And when it, when I learned that there was actually an opportunity to to have some influence or to to speak my mind, it was kind of frightening. Of like, oh, well, what do I have to say? Yeah. Who am I? I'm I'm a white girl mm -hmm. from the valley who, you know, was extremely well-educated and, and um, I'm brought up by a loving family. Like, but, you yeah. know, as a comic, that's not, there's something funny in that. And, and, yeah. and that, that like, digging deeper and being like, oh, no, I'm super fucked up. Like, I make horrible decisions. And, yeah. and actually really scrutinizing yourself and being like, well, what, what is relatable about it? Rather than just acting like I'm fine. I'm not fine. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what everybody's dealing with day to day. So yeah, yeah. Th that's when that's when I really started writing and kind of started changing what is what how how I saw myself as a. Comic. So that must have been the transition from going from here are the jokes that work into this is personal heart of darkness type of shit can be a really rough transition for a lot of comics. You know that they can yeah. they can start. I mean, some comics will bomb for years as they're really excavating their their soul and their personal lives yeah. uh, did it did it feel that abrupt for you or was it more of a gradual process um well i think i i especially as an actor like i'm 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 so emotional like yeah. i have no problem that's that's a real strength of mine is is going there yeah and then it was like once i was like trying to write about that kind of stuff yeah would be actually honest um I had a really hard time with that. Sure. I'd be like, all right, what can I write about? Because it's got to be funny on top of it. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what you're thinking about. And I think that that's for a lot of comics. They're like, how do I make this funny? How do I write a joke? And you're yeah. like, we're, we're actually not really writing jokes. And that's that's a big transition in, in the style of comedy that's you're going on right now. You're telling a story. telling a story. And then 
how can you make that relatable and, and funny in your own perspective? Yeah. You know, yeah. rather than, so you, yeah, it's, you're not even writing jokes. You're just, you're telling your story. Telling your story, yeah. And, and how do you, how do you make that funny in your own way? Yeah, no, I think that's really profound, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, so uh, a couple of I know you have to go and do your snowboarding. You're so white and fancy. <laughs> I have a big, I have a big um, trip. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. One is, um, did you do you feel we talked briefly about the Me Too movement, and I know I've asked other uh, female comics about this. You, what do you feel the biggest changes in terms of how you've been relating to the business and the world after Me Too? Do you feel that people treat you differently? Do you feel like you react to people differently? Do you feel like you you feel more empowered to react a certain way when men behave a certain way? Or do you feel like it's not really changed in a day-to-day way? Um, in day-to-day way, it, it, for me personally, it hasn't really changed. Um, I think for me also, growing up the way that I did, um, being involved in, in such like male-dominated sports. Yeah, so you're used to the fact that every guy is going to want to semi-want-to-fuck you at least, or like yeah. kind of, even if they're not like being gross about it they're gonna they have they put the feelers out and they're waiting for the green light type of deal yeah and and for me to be honest it was it was like i knew i was good just as good as they were competing in these sports Mm -hmm. or or being being in a lineup you know out in the water so when we're paddling for a wave and they let me take it i'm literally like (laughs) 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 like they let me have it because they think i'm a girl and they're like being courteous but fuck you because it's my ride now right yeah so starting comedy I didn't feel like oh like I'm a girl like you know well and I'm that was a dumb voice to do as a woman (laughs) I can't believe I just did that I'm so sorry no I it I didn't feel like I was the other yes I never really felt like that and I am probably a lot of it has to do with the way that I carry myself I'm not extremely out there feminine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, yeah, but I a don't, slightly tomboyish, or not yeah. athletic, I guess is a better word. Yeah, I don't really put myself out there to be like, oh, I'm yeah. on the other end, remember it, yeah. you know, or take notice, or, you know, I just, I feel like if, if you're good at what you do, that that you should be treated as such. It's not, you know, but it's also, that, that has a lot to do with my upbringing. So, for, for the Me Too stuff, um, Day to day, there there hasn't been that big of a a transition for me, or or, or something noticeable that that I felt. Um, but there is there is situations with men in this community that of I course. have had that when I see them now in public, they're a little shameful. They're shameful, yeah. and it's it's a little different tone. And I, which um, is great. It is it it is great. Yeah. It is great. It's just great that it's it's acknowledged. And for me that it's not, it's a little embarrassing for me that it wasn't, now that they're acknowledging it, that it's not something that I acknowledged at the time. It embarrasses me. Interesting. If that makes sense. Of sure. Like, it embarrasses me that I wasn't big enough to call it out at the time. Yeah. And now that it's being called out publicly, that they're apologizing quietly mm-hmm. and that I, I wasn't big enough to Interesting. for myself. Um but but grateful that that it's just being yeah being acknowledged and, yeah. and that there's a shift and I, I think with everything everything that you know that are the changes that that we as people in our country go through I think it all takes time. Um, I did the the Women's Power Summit um, 
a couple months ago in like November. But like Anita Hill spoke at it. Um, wow. A bunch of female comics performed, and Haim went up and performed before us, which I'm obsessed with. Um, the the female sister group. Yeah. Um, but it was it was women in the industry coming together to support. So there's a, there's a lot more things like that that are happening. Yeah. And do you feel an obligation to be a part of it? Do you feel that you, as a woman, that you now have an not an added pressure to make your voice important in that regard but do you feel that you have a, a responsibility to kind of um be a, a kind of for lack of a better word woke woman and be a role model to younger comics or do you feel um you know i've always i've always felt a responsibility so it in in a weird way like it wasn't it wasn't really this i think this is like given more women opportunity yeah but i started this before you know, I mean, I've of been course. trying to do this That's before, the life that so. you've already, yeah, sure. Yeah, that so makes sense. It, I mean, in a way, there's more women out there doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's more women out there doing it, which is, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome, the support that is coming, because men have always had the support. They're yeah. Bo- and they've always been, you know, when I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I hung out with, with these comics, Brent Moore and Eric Glassman, and that kind of group. Yeah. I was the only girl every night. And in some way, that I mean, that's how that's how I I was grew treated. up. Well, I, that's how I grew up, so that's what yeah. I was comfortable with and Got used it. to. But now there being other women and other women reaching out and, and you know being out every night. Who would you say is? Yeah, I get that. Who would you say is a, a, a female comic that you feel is sort of? I don't want kind of like as Trump would say, holding the mantle for female comics in LA in, in terms of someone that really is taken Amy Schumer Whitney Cummings do you feel that um I I me personally I feel like Eliza oh really Eliza okay. um Eliza Schlesinger for people who don't know yeah she you know I I I don't have that close of a relationship with her um she's always been cordial and nice to me but just in terms of her um her attitude towards this business of yeah. just for me, I I have an appreciation for it. She's a no bullshit. She's a shark, yeah. And she's like, I know what I want, and I'm going after it. And she's a beast when it comes to writing. Like, yeah. She was just in San Diego at the Balboa Theater, uh, um, in Balboa Theater in San Diego, and she she sold the theater out. And I wasn't there, but I was there the following night but she it, from what I heard and it's a complete new hour it was just wow. murder yeah um, and hearing that it's it's like fuck yeah that, that's she's setting the bar uh, and, yeah and as a comic was saying this to a group of comics including like Joe Rogan you know telling all of these men a circle of men yeah. this, and they were all like whoa, whoa. yeah that's great and to, and, to, and to see the reaction about a woman, it was like uh, that's yeah. really cool to hear. Yeah. yeah, that that's a that's a bar that that's been set. And, yeah, and she holds it there. So that's very cool. Yeah, um, I know you have to take off to do your snowboarding. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you have to promote? What do you want like down the down the pipe in 2019? Um, uh, well, I'm I'm running a show now at the comedy store, Boss Comedy. Boss Comedy, and that yeah. is in the uh, it's in room? the belly room. In the belly room, right now. Is um, it a weekly show? Uh, it's monthly. Is it for women and the women? Um, no, 
Just because the, the word boss, I thought is interesting. <laughs> you know, the word gets associated with nah. women now, <laughs> nah, in a good and bad way. No, it's just just it's just a comedy show. It's a fun comedy show. Um, once a month, I post it on all of my social media. Um, this Friday, I don't know how soon this will be out. Yeah, you don't just say every Friday. Every <laughs> hey, every Friday, I'll be at the rec room in Newport. Um, oh, the rec room, that's a, that's a really fun club. That's, yeah. That's great. It's really fun. Hunter Hill. Uh-huh. Um, runs it. Yeah, so. Are you going to be on the road anytime soon? Um, yeah, yes. I will, I'll be in Austin um, first weekend of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will be in Salt Lake City uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Yes. Um, are you by yourself? Are you with their comics? Are you with... Um, yeah, I'm uh, with Brian Callen. Okay. Uh, and then Salt Lake City, I'm, I'm by myself. Oh, cool. Yeah. So have you been starting to headline too, or Um, yeah. I mean, headline, co-headline. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's definitely, it, I don't, I don't have my own TV show yet, so getting yeah, ticket sales, it's well, like. you have a great social media following, by the way. Uh, yeah. So what, did, what is your social media, what are your handles? My handles. I'm so, I'm so I'm, hitting those <laughs> handles. I'm at Courtney Sherman, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-S-C-H-E-U-E-R-M-A-N, um, on Facebook and, and Instagram. And Instagram. Yeah. What are you most active in? Uh, Instagram. And Instagram, Yeah, yes. I deleted Twitter. You did? Why? I did. Um, I know, I've heard a lot of people deleting Twitter. I want to delete Twitter because I keep saying things. I'm like, this will get me in trouble if I ever book a, a series. Oh, 100%. Post a picture and they're like, oh, well, debatable. But <laughs> <laughs> like in Twitter, you're like, no, it, not just that, because I'm not that controversial, controversial but Twitter, um, the trolls that were on there, the things that people would say, I was like, I get none of this on Instagram. It's oh, so really? strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, na- it got to a nasty point where I, I would block people and they'd make fake accounts and I, it just... So you'd say something funny and they would say... They would comment because because obviously one's very different. One's about words, one's about images. Yeah, right. So or people like tagging me in posts, my handle in posts, uh-huh. and just saying nasty shit. I, I had an issue um, with a situation at the comedy store about a racial joke that I did because I, I do a Wanda Sykes impression. Um, I know uh, there was somebody that was transgender in the audience uh-huh. and, and felt like I, as a white woman. Uh, didn't have the right to do do a Wanda Sykes impression. Do a Wanda Sykes. And then, like, was it was it a, was it a white kid. transgender person or uh-huh. a black transgender? No, person? no, no, white. It's never a black person. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, a yeah. Of, co- yeah. of course, yeah. yes. Um, and so at that point, I was just like, I wrote like a long letter to them, and I had other, you know. Oh, you wrote a long community. letter to this person. Yeah, of just like I'd never had somebody. I mean, I, I I graduated from Berkeley. Like I I I'm I come from a very liberal, open-minded. Yes. Um, what was the joke? It was just the impersonation of Wanda Sykes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she felt she needed to be offended on behalf he, of he, he. Wanted to be offended on behalf of Wanda Sykes. Yeah. The, and then I had also made some comment about um, about an, an Asian person in the audience that wasn't. It, it, it was just the set. I thought we could comic, still make fun of Asians. No, I thought that was the one thing we could still do. Comments, really? Uh, no. Uh, and and going back and reviewing the set, I was like, yeah, I understand why they would be offended. But oh, this is comedy. This is comedy, guys. Like, I am not. Look at anything I've ever done. This is not. 
It literally, as it came out, I was like, I've never said that before. But it, but you still said it, yeah. <laughs> I did say it. But you should be allowed to say things. And... I said, I said, yeah, what did you me say? so horny. You said uh, me so horny. I said, it's like your gra- like her grandmother. It was it was an Asian like her grandmother, not like her like oh me so horny. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, it didn't it didn't land well with her, and she was super offended, and it turned into this whole Twitter and and attacking me that wow. comedy store Laugh Factory Improv shouldn't book me, and they reached out to me actually. Um, a couple of the managers at these clubs just be like letting me know, like you know, we don't we don't partake in trolling or you know yeah social media trolling so but i was just like yeah i'm done i'm done with twitter so yeah so it, it got you what do you think about uh and i can't believe i just want with the lucy k lucy k thing coming back and his re- leaked set that was recorded yeah and as a comic because i there are a lot of comics and some big comics and big names i don't want to name names particularly because some of them make really good movies and it'd be nice if i had a problem <laughs> um but they actually really shit on him for what he said and so it was like lazy and weak and irresponsible and blah, blah blah and I just kind of felt like well as a comic we have to have the opportunity to say what we want to say on stage at least try it yeah, he wasn't producing his hour did you feel how did, is that do you feel like that's something you could have expressed an opinion about or you wanted to or you feel like it's sort of no that here there be dragons type of land you can't even talk about it um I you know what I don't to be honest, I, I I have my own opinions about it. I don't I don't really go around talking about that. It's you know it's as a comic, I I am allowed to express an opinion. I I think we're yes. comics, and I think we that's what the, that's what the art is. Yeah. I if anybody comes to a show, if anybody purchases a ticket to go see a comedian express their opinion for a length of time. They should know what they're buying a ticket for. Yeah, they're buying a ticket for a man who has been accused of such and such. So yeah, what, what do what do you what do you think you're gonna get? You yeah. know, um, knock, and that's knock also jokes, yeah. Well, the, I mean that's that's what the art form is. Like, of course he's gonna keep pushing the envelope. Of course he's gonna keep doing that, and and he's allowed to. Yeah, I, and, and I'm not saying that anything that he said is is right or he should say. At all, but, but you should have the right to say it. You should have the right to say it. Um, yeah. And and he's also, I I think he's trying to do that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's his, that's his realm now. Yeah. Right. Like that's his that's his space. Yeah. Uh, how else was he supposed to come back? Be like, as Louis C.K. Yes. Be like, no, no, no. Now I'm now Mr. Now nice he's guy. Brian. Now he's Brian Reagan and yeah, Jeff Gaffigan talking about here. food. Yeah. So yeah. I mean. What else? What else would you expect? Yeah. Well, the thing that annoyed me is the fact that there was a time when I thought that transgressive thought, transgressive comedy, and speaking and language was the realm of liberals and Democrats, right. and the Republicans were like, mm, "Are you crazy, kids?" Yeah. And now that's been sort of stripped away from us to a degree. <laughs> you know, like regressive comedy is <gasps> yeah. defending our intersectional identity. And I know it's something I talk about on stage a lot, and to mixed results. I don't know. It's something you probably don't feel comfortable touching. Uh, to mixed results. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really go there, but I mean, who's to say what will happen? 
Awesome. Well, listen, I'm so yeah. glad you did this. I know you don't want to share your five, 10 year plan, but let me just say this. Okay. You're killing it. You're great. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're okay. funny. I love, I love working with you. I hope we get to work together soon Definitely. and, uh, and best of luck. Anything else you want to say to the kids out there? Um, no, just, I, I, I think what we ended on with the Lucy K thing is, um, you know, this, this is an art form like, like any other art form, like seeing a movie, you go to the movies and you get to watch a preview and you're like, well, don't want to see it. Yeah. But I mean, as comics, as artists, we have a tone and we, we have, we have a voice. And I mean, that, that's, that's what we're there for. So if you don't like it, don't fucking come and watch it. Yes. <laughs> don't tune in. Cool. Like you're not, um, but yeah, just, just keep an open mind. The, the whole idea is to laugh and to make, make people see a different perspective. Yeah. That, that, that's all we're trying to do. So. Just keep an open mind and um, maybe you'll learn something. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Courtney Sherman, everyone. Thank check you. out her. Uh, I'm not going to try to spell her name again, but check her out on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook or fan page. Uh, and check her out on a live show. She's awesome. Uh, that is it. That is Bill Dawes uh, with the After Laugh. Good night. It's the After Laugh, After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh, After Laugh, After Laugh. <laughs> after Laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>